Good morning. Good morning. What a treat this morning. The Dulcimer Trio, beautiful organ solo. We're glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad to be here. At your age, you should be glad to be anywhere. I am. Oh, it is a pretty day today, and we, uh, we just thank the Lord for it, no matter what comes before or after. Amen. Do we have any uh, birthdays this week? Nobody celebrating a birthday. Anniversaries. No anniversaries. All right, then. Let's just get right into the service. Turn to uh, hymn number 13. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Amen. God of glory, Lord of love. Let's stand and sing.
71. <clears throat> Take time to be holy. Amen. in prayer please sure our father and God Lord we come to you this morning realizing our need of you Lord we know that the truth of your word is that without you we are nothing but with you all things are possible even a sinner like me can be cleansed and be made a servant of the Most High God. So Lord, bless us this morning. Cleanse us again. Refresh us in our spirit. Lift us above all the worries of this world, all of the problems of this world, and let us meet with thee in a way that will leave us feeling your glory, your presence, your love, and your mercy and will allow us to leave here sharing all of that with others. 
We ask it in Jesus' name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Our communion hymn is number 254. Oh, how he loves you and me. as our meditation this morning. Verses out of Matthew, the 21st chapter, verses 8 through 9. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes to, in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Most of you know this is Palm Sunday, and uh, this uh, particularly applies to Palm Sunday. This day is generally celebrated in the Christian world as Palm Sunday. The passage we just read gives Matthew's description of what is commonly referred to as the triumphal entry. It describes the last time Jesus went to Jerusalem. Exactly one week before his resurrection, despite the sobering reality that in a few days he would encounter jeers and cursing, on this day Jesus was received as a king. He truly was at least by some of the people. I can envision at least three groups being present at Jesus' triumphal entry. 
There was his disciples, the Jewish leaders, and perhaps a group of ordinary people. Let's consider for a moment what would occur as far as these three groups was concerned. First of all, what was the motivation? All the evidence suggested that the disciples still did not understand what was happening. They must have been frightened and confused. The Jewish leaders were suspicious, angry, and judgmental. In Luke's version, they said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. In Luke 13, 39. In other words, tone it down, Jesus. The common people, they may have heard Jesus, particularly his miracles. Maybe they wanted a show. <coughs> so what, did, what, do, what did these people do? Disciples walked with Jesus, following him because so far it was so relatively easy to do so. The Jewish leaders watched and made plans to kill him. The common people, for the most part, shouted support for Jesus. In John's account, the branches was identified as palm branches, which were we derived from the name Palm Sunday. Matthew says they shouted Hosanna to the son of David. But what happened the following Friday? Disciples were the most part scattered. Only John accompanied Jesus to the end. The Jewish leaders felt they had won, and Jesus had been crucified as they wanted. The common people were pretty much the same, curious, onlookers. Were there any of those who early shouted Hosanna among those who shouted, Crucify him? We don't know. The question, though, is what about us? Would we have been in any of these groups, and what would our response have been? Hopefully I would not have been among those who plotted Jesus' death. But what would any response have been? What, what, or what would I have run away, letting fear destroy faith? Would my Hosanna have become crucify him? Because each of these seemed to be the proper response on those two separate occasions. Or like John, would I stay with Jesus even to, the, to a cross? <coughs> As we take the Lord's Supper today, ask yourself the question, what would I have done to Jesus? We face the question every day, what was your answer last week? More importantly, what will your answer be this week? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity to be in your house this morning. Dear Father, as we approach the time that you went there upon Calvary's cross and carried our sins with you. That you shed your precious blood for each and every one of us. And dear Lord, as we take of these emblems this morning, this loaf which represents our Lord and Savior's broken body and the blood that he shed there upon Calvary's cross for each and every one of us. And dear Lord, as we take of these emblems this morning, let's have all our heart and mind upon what Jesus went through for each and every one of us. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's take a few moments and just reflect on what it might have been like the, uh, the night of the, of the Passover when, when Jesus was there with his disciples.
when Jesus and the twelve were gathered in the upper room on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and broke it, blessed it, passed it among them, saying, This is my body, broken for you, eat ye of it. when they had eaten, he took the cup, and giving thanks, passed it among them, saying, This is the blood of the New Testament, poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Stand for the doxology. up for a little more music hey, this morning. The Dulcimer Trio. Oh yeah, I did. That's why I'm excited. <laughs> I
All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. That was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. But I will say this. Those are the strangest looking guitars I ever seen. <laughs> That's about the third time you said it. Really appreciate you all coming and sharing with us. That That is beautiful. Nothing has quite the same uh, sound as a dulcimer. Well, good morning. Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Boy, and... I wanted to say before I forget that next Sunday morning, being uh, Easter Sunday, uh, we will not have Sunday school. Instead, we'll be eating breakfast at 9 o'clock, and uh, then our service will begin on, uh, at 10 o'clock on your usual time. So, how are you this morning, church? Blessed. Good. Too blessed to be stressed? <laughs> That's so much better than being too stressed to be blessed. <laughs> you know, next Sunday morning being Easter, everybody, believers and unbelievers alike, ought to be in church somewhere. <laughs> then we definitely need to worship the Lord on the day that he resurrected. Hmm. Not that we don't need to worship him every day. <laughs> but it's just a special time. On Easter, or at least it is for me. I assume it's the same for everyone. Now we're going to continue on this morning in the book of Mark, uh, chapter three, and we start at verse seven, and uh, we'll we'll break this down as best we can. This just goes through to uh, verse uh, uh, twelve. Jesus withdrew his disciples to the lake. And the large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God! But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. So Jesus had been healing on the Sabbath. He had... uh, uh, run in with the uh, Pharisees, the scribes, the priests of the day, because they didn't think that, first of all, the uh, disciples shouldn't be picking the heads of grain because that was work. And then he goes on into the uh, temple and, and he tells a, a man with a withered hand, you know, to stretch out his hand, but he asked him, is it good to do evil? Or are good on the Sabbath to heal or to kill. And so he made his point that sometimes grace and love is more important than the strict letter 
of the law. Now, it says that when he left there and moves on, a great crowd had followed him. And it implies he had healed many. So along this journey, he had healed many people. Now, he had also just healed the... uh, the lady with the, uh, I mean the man with the crippled hand. And so these people are wanting to get close to him. They're wanting to be able to touch him. They're wanting to be able to receive their healing. Now, it's possible that some people are have in mind to worship the healing more than the healer. Uh, so... We have to keep that in mind and we have, to, we have to be cautious sometimes that we're not just coming to Jesus for what he can give us, for what he can do for us. Yes, those things are all blessings. Yes, they're all a plus. Yes, they're all gifts from God. But that should not be what drives us to come to him. What should drive us to come to him is our love for him, not for what he can do. Because he can do anything, folks. So we need to make sure that our reason for worshiping him is because we want him, not just what he has to offer. You know, I've known people who got married because they just, you know, they had to be with this person. They had to have them in their life. But you know, after a couple of months, they didn't feel the same way. They all of a sudden decided that, well, this person is nothing like what I thought they were. You know, that's what happens when we fall in love with an idea of a person or the idea of what that person can offer us instead of really getting to know that person, of really making a commitment to live through all of the challenges and all the difficulties that come along. Because, you know, I know that I'm a selfish person in many, many ways. Living alone for so long has embedded that even more in me, I'm learning. (laughs) And and so, you know, because I live alone, I put things where I want them and I don't expect anybody to touch them. You know, I do what I want to do and I don't expect anybody to challenge that. (laughs) And sometimes if we're not careful, we do that same thing with Jesus. No, you can't tell me to do this. No, (laughs) I don't want to do this. Uh, And so we have to be cautious that we really are not just trying to get close to Jesus for fireproof insurance. We want him to be our savior, our Lord, our master, the one that we love because he loves us so much that we're willing to do whatever he asks. You know, there was a time, there was a guy in the Bible named Abraham and God told him to go sacrifice his son, his only son. And he was willing to do that. He was showing God that his love for him was greater than his love for anything else. Are we living that way? Are we prepared 
if he calls on us to give up something that we really love, like chocolate, (laughs) are we willing to give it up? So, anyway, here all these people, because of all the miracles that they had witnessed, and there was many of them that had some type of, uh, of a sickness, and they wanted to be healed. So Jesus tells his disciples that rather than letting all the crowd just come around and, and press on him, there's probably a couple of reasons for that. One would be, like I said, they may be seeking him for the wrong reasons. Another is just simply because when you get a crowd that close around you and you're trying to speak out, your voice does not carry. You would have to speak up over the people. Now, I'm told there in the valley where he was speaking that when you speak, as I'm speaking now, maybe a little louder, it can be heard for a very long ways, and people could hear because there was just a natural acoustic there that carried the sound. And so he says to get me a small boat and let me get out away from the crowd so that I can be heard and so that people are more likely to pay attention to me than just trying to come up and touch me and crowd around me. And so he goes out into a little boat and speaks to the people. But, you know... There's another thing here that says when the evil or impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. Now, he says a strange thing. He gave them strict orders. Don't tell others who I am. You know, I've always thought that Surely he wanted everybody to know who he was. Surely he wanted everybody to recognize who he was. But I think that there's a couple of things. Number one, I don't really think that he wanted the devil, a liar, claiming who he was. (laughs) Because others may have a hard time accepting a testimony from a liar. I think that's part of it. But I think also... That the more important thing here is, is that at this point in time in his ministry, he's not yet ready to reveal who he is. The people have not yet heard the message. They have not yet seen all that he has done and they have not yet heard all that he wanted to share with them in order for them to be able to accept him as Messiah when it's revealed. We know many never did, and to this day, many still do not accept him as Messiah. They do not accept him as Lord and Savior, and it's sad to see so many people being deceived in our world today. But like these people, okay, many people, even though they never have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or even if they've said that they did, they don't live like they have, but when they get sick and they're on their deathbed, then they want Jesus. Then they want to have his love and his mercy and his grace extended to them. 
Then they have a great need for him. But the rest of the time when they're healthy and well, they're not serving him. They're not out sharing the gospel with others. They're not showing the love of God. They're living for their self. Am I describing you? Am I describing me? It's something to think about, isn't it? We can become so self-absorbed in our culture, in our world today, without even realizing it. You know, almost every commercial tells you how wonderful you are. Almost every commercial tells you how much you deserve or need this particular thing that we are trying to sell. You know, it slices, it dices, it really does it all. (laughs) And wait, there's more. They do their best to try to convince us that if we are a person who wants to be somebody, we need to buy their product. If we want to be recognized by our neighbors, we need this product. You know, they never say, if you want to know Jesus, you need this. And this being the gospel. They don't say that on the commercials. I've never heard a commercial that said that. Not on television. But that's the truth, folks. If you want to be recognized by other people, then I feel sorry for you because that's all you'll ever have is recognition of other people. If you want to have the recognition of Jesus, though, all we have to do is come to him with a sincere heart in faith, believing that he is who he said he was, the son of the living God, the Messiah, our Lord and Christ. And we have to come humbly to him, realizing that he is righteous and holy and we are sinful. And that there is such a wide gap between him and us that there's no way we could ever close that gap on our own. There's no amount of money you can pay. There's not enough blood you could shed. There is not enough anything you could do to close the gap between our sinfulness and God's holiness. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. You see, there was another crowd that followed him on Palm Sunday that followed him into town and we heard that from Mike this morning Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest that crowd was much like this crowd but they were praising God, they were praising Jesus as God, as a Messiah whether they realized it or not They were glorifying God. And here we find ourselves on this Palm Sunday. This palm? No. Those palms back there, palm fronds. They laid their jackets down and their coats down. They laid down uh, the, the fronds, the palm fronds. Why? So that the king could walk on them, on his mule, on his donkey, 
Now, let me ask you. If you had your Sunday suit on, would you be willing to take your suit jacket off and lay it down for somebody to walk across, especially riding a, a donkey? I mean, just think about that. You know, I can remember, I, I have shared this before, but I can remember in very, very old movies seeing uh, a gentleman take his coat off and lay it down for a lady to walk across uh, a, a mud spot or a little puddle so that she wouldn't get her shoes wet and wouldn't get her feet wet. Have you ever seen that in your lifetime? Other than on TV, on a movie? <laughs> you know, there's so many things about our culture today that has changed and not for the better. So many things. Can you watch TV without being indoctrinated into filth? Do you know of anything you can watch on TV that does not promote immorality? I don't. Unless you're watching the 700 Club, that may be an exception. But if you're just watching the normal programming, you can't watch a movie without seeing some filth. You can't watch a sitcom without hearing and seeing some lie, some filth. And it's sad that we have gotten so far from God in our ways. And folks, if you want to know whose fault it is, look in the mirror. It's my fault. It's your fault. It's the church's fault because we did not step up and fight for right. When those things began to happen, we just let them happen. So, which crowd are we really in? Are we in the crowd that's saying, Hosanna to the highest? Or in the crowd that's saying, crucify him? You know, every sin, every sin of ours is nailed to the cross with Jesus. And, you know, I want to share something I just learned by watching a, a, a video series from, uh, uh, from Virginia Rutherford. You ladies, some, many of you have watched this video, so you know what I'm talking about. But in the culture that Jesus came into, they were in a honor up here or shame culture. They still are to this day. If you're honorable, you're up here. If you're shameful, you're down here. But for righteousness to take place, someone humbles themselves down and brings you up to where you become honorable. That's exactly what Jesus did for us, folks. He humbled himself. He came as a human being. He came as one of us. He had to be one of us in order to die for us so that we could be redeemed through what he did 
we could be restored to a position of honor in the sight of God Almighty. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me, folks. I have a hard time looking at myself and thinking of myself as honorable. But when God looks at us, all of us that are cleansed by the blood of his son, he sees us as his child, his honored child. When we sin, as long as we're not going back into a life of sin, we can ask forgiveness and that will be immediately restored back. Because he loves us that much. I dare you to find anybody who ever went through as much as Jesus Christ went through to show their love for another person. You will never find anybody who did all that Jesus did. Nor was there anyone capable of doing all that Jesus did because he was not just a man, he was God in the flesh. And so when righteousness became unrighteousness, then he took the unrighteousness and made it righteous. (coughs) Folks, there is no one who loves you like Jesus. There is never a time when Jesus has not loved you. There will never be a time when Jesus will not love you. So there's never a question whether Jesus loves us. But the question becomes, do we love Jesus? Do we show our love to him by obeying him? Because he said to his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Yes. So how are we doing? How are we doing with that? You know, this Palm Sunday, next Sunday, is, is the time, this resurrection, this Thursday night will be the, the Monday, Thursday service, and then Friday is Good Friday. You know, it, it, it was a hard thing for me to ever grasp that the death of Jesus was good. <laughs> Why do you call it Good Friday? They killed him. <laughs> Horribly. But it was good for us. It was good for man. It wasn't good for Jesus so much, but it was good for us. Because by doing that, he made a way to cleanse us of our sins if we're willing to confess them, repent of them, and accept him as our Lord and our Savior. If you love him, say amen. Amen. Brother Bob. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 363, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Stand and sing.
first brother Mitch. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Taking a quick look at the announcements this morning. Uh, did you enjoy the Dulcimer Trio? Amen. Amen. Always glad to have you. I've always felt pretty close to these kids. They, uh, well, Russ and his wife live across the street from us. And I think I can handle that. Hmm? All right. Let's stand, please. Well, praise the Lord. You feel like you've been in church? I felt kind of like I've been at a concert, too. That was awesome. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the beautiful day that you've given. Thank you, Lord, for being here with us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful instruments that you have allowed to be created so that we can enjoy to praise you and worship you with music and with our voices. Lord, Help us to focus on you more and on ourselves less. Help us to look at things in a more positive way instead of allowing the devil to cause us to think of all the negative things. Lord, we need to look to you for all things. So help us to honor you with our lives every moment of every day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.